I'm Andrew Winfield Harrington, OAM, eminent musicologist and period instrumentalist. I use musicological studies to replicate the works of the great composers exactly as they would have sounded. In this series, we will be taking historical accuracy to its highest level. Hi, I'm Jeremy Swint, classically trained pianist. And in order to perform Schubert's impromptu in G-flat, as the composer intended, I will be contracting syphilis. That's right. A group of brave and needlessly pedantic performers will be precisely recreating the conditions experienced by the great composers in order to bring you unparalleled and some may say unnecessary historical accuracy. Jeremy, talk us through your process. Well, Andrew, I've studied piano for over 30 years with a special interest in Schubert, or as he was known to his friends, the little mushroom. <laughs> I feel that contracting the same venereal diseases that Schubert had in his lifetime will give me insights that few other performers have. Jeremy is convinced that the fiendish trills in Schubert's impromptu in G-flat and the pianissimo inner voices in the moment musicale can only be successfully performed if his nervous system is riddled with treponema pallidum. My only regret is that I hadn't contracted it earlier. When Schubert was my age, he'd already been dead for five years. We'll also meet singer and Beethoven scholar Adele Whittington. Freude schöner Güte Funken, Tochter aus Elysium. Adele, that's incredible. Your phrasing is marvelous. What? I stabbed myself in the ears. I can't hear you. And Oliver Hughes, composer and expert on the life and works of Carlo Gesualdo, an Italian composer who brutally murdered his wife and her lover in a fit of jealous rage, inspiring his masterwork Tristi Sanima Mea. Is Exalt in Naples still a punishment? I don't think so, Oliver. I need to call my lawyer. All this and more coming soon. You are now entering Rumpusville. Episode 7. Unresolved Quandaries. Psst. Hey, it's me. You're back. How did it go? Easier than I thought. One shot to the head, one to the chest, and then it was all over. <clears throat> Good work. The boss will be here in a minute to pick us up. Where'd you put the body? Tumped him off the pier, like you said. <clears throat> Very good. Fish won't go hungry tonight. Well, yeah. But they'll have to eat through the plastic bag I wrapped him in first. Plastic bag? What sort of plastic bag? Uh, one of those big green ones you use in the bin. And you put that in the ocean? Are you out of your mind? That'll take like a thousand years to break down. W was that important? Yes, it's important! Billy the Waterbill's body will be long gone, but your plastic bag's gonna be rubbing out sea life for the next millennium. Oh, well, I hadn't thought of that, sorry. I'll think next time, huh? Alright, alright, I will, no problem. Anyway, the bag won't go anywhere. I sealed it closed and tied a rock to it. Well, at least it won't be floating around. What did you seal it with? Oh, uh, nothing, just one of those little plastic cable ties. Are you some kind of deranged sociopath? It's just a little cable tie, it's not gonna do anything. Oh, really? Well, tell that to the penguin it's throttling right now. I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about penguins when I was murdering someone. You should always be thinking about penguins when you're murdering someone. Where's my gun? Where's the mark? And how can I make this penguin friendly? Why are you so worked up about this? Because we're Fitzroy sustainable assassins. We dispose of people sustainably. We do the dirty work, but we keep it clean and green. But we keep it clean and green. Okay, okay, okay. Let me tell you something. I took someone out a few weeks ago, and to clean up, I used vinegar and water. One part to three parts. Laid down baking soda first, and then sprayed it to create suds. Then I wrapped him up in a wax cloth and transported him in my Prius to a permaculture farm with carnivorous earthworms, 
and they took care of the rest. Okay, 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 I get it. I'll try to circle of life it next time. All right. I'm glad you're seeing some sense, but you're on thin ice. I bought this six-pack of kombucha to celebrate, but now I'm not sure you should have any. Now tell me how you cleaned up the scene. Hmm? The scene. How did you clean it up? Oh, the scene. Yeah, 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 I cleaned it. How did you clean it, Gavin, and so help me? <sighs> bleach. I bleached it. Are you kidding me? That caustic crap is going straight into Port Phillip Bay. Tell me you used old t-shirts as rags. Paper towels. Paper towels? God damn it! How did you dispose of those? Landfill. Son of a... What the hell is going on here? Do you want to bring the cops down on us? Sorry, boss. We had a bio-schmuck on our hands and I had to put a stop to him. When will these sick people learn? Alright, we better get out of here. No, no, leave the gun. Take the kombucha. I'll give you one more chance, George. I need that information. That's not the way the game works, Carrie. Ah, what, what the hell? A man is dead, George. Maybe you don't think that's important, but I do. You're way out of line. The name, George. I know you know who did it, you son of a bitch. I, I'm not giving you that information. Then you've given me no choice, George. Oh, God, oh, God, all right, all right. It was the Reverend, Reverend Green in the ballroom with the lead pipe. Those were the cards I put in at the start. Oh, yay, so I win again. Carrie, you're taking this way too seriously. You guys want to play another round? In 1992, Timmy Pertwee vanished, disappearing before his family's very eyes. Where did he go? Why can't he be found? These questions and more tonight on Unresolved Quandaries. We sat down with Timmy's parents, Angelica and Arnold, and his brother, David. Last time I saw Timmy, he was four years old. We were playing hide-and-go-seek with my parents. Timmy's brother, David. We counted to ten and opened our eyes. Where are you, little Timmy? You know, like that. I was uh, usually pretty good at finding the boy quickly. He'd uh, be behind a set of curtains with his shoes sticking out at the bottom or something stupid like that, you know, but, uh, but not this time. This time you weren't nowhere. 28 years later, Timmy still hasn't been found. Maybe he didn't hear the seek part of hide and go seek. We know he's here, somewhere in the house. Food goes missing from the fridge every night. I, I know he ate David's pastrami sandwich last Tuesday. I don't eat gluten foods, and my husband Arnold, he doesn't eat meat, so it had to be him. Paying for food? For somebody who's never at the table? That's just weird, is all I can say. After 28 years, the family is searching for answers. Where the hell is he? Where? He's 32 years old now. This isn't a big house. About five years ago, we hired a private investigator to find him. Oh, very pretty. She had a kind of girl-next-door look about her. After one week at the Pertwee residence, the private investigator suddenly vanished. I should have guessed she would be his type. Apparently, we're feeding her now as well. That wasn't even the worst part. It was the children that really added insult to injury. I hear their little feet uh, during the night sometimes. 
I just, I just want to meet my grandchildren. <laughs> if you have any information that would assist the Pertwees to locate their son, his de facto partner, and an unknown number of children who by all accounts remain within the boundaries of 327 Maple Green Crescent, Chester, New Jersey, please contact Unresolved Quandaries. You are now leaving Rumpusville. Please like, follow, and subscribe. You should always be thinking about penguins when you're murdering someone. I need to call my lawyer. And how can I make this penguin friendly? <laughs> <laughs>